Thank you for being here today. Uh, I am kind of excited a little bit today because uh, if you're a husband here, how many husbands are here? Okay, if you're a husband here, uh, you no doubt, you have that one piece of clothing, that one article of clothing in your wardrobe that your wife will not let you wear. And this is my favorite shirt my wife will never let me wear. And thank you, thank you. And, I, you know, I, I, she went early, she came early to rehearse for worship, and I snuck out of the house with it on. And I, and I, and I, and I got here, and um, husbands, it's the little victories, am I right? Yeah. Thank you. 
It was dry. They were in a wilderness. They had water. And so after three years, God sent Elijah and said, I want you to go and, and confront Ahab and let him know I'm going to go ahead and send rain again. So Elijah tells Ahab, I want you to summon all the people of Israel. And I want you to bring the 450 prophets that you've been anointing and given internet certificates. I want you to bring them. And the 400 priests of Asherah, I want you to bring them too. And let's all meet at Mount Carmel, and we're going to have a little experiment. So everybody comes, and Elijah stands and addresses the whole nation. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take two bulls, we're going to kill them, we're going to put them here on two altars, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to pray to Yahweh, you can pray to your gods, and whichever one answers with fire, that's the one that's going to be God. And the crowd said, we like it. Let's do it. So they did. And the prophets of Baal and Asherah prayed and prayed, and the long and short of it is that their so-called false gods never answered. Elijah prayed. He even doused his sacrifice with water, and God answered with fire out of heaven. And all of the, the land saw that the Lord is indeed God. Well, after that happened, Elijah had all of those prophets killed by the sword. He had them executed. And then the story takes a twist. Here's what Jezebel says. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, I'm going to kill you just like you killed my prophets. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba, that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. Very important little piece of information. He sat, uh, but he went on a day's journey into the week's journey. He sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Did you just read what I just read? Elijah wanted to die. He wanted God to kill him. Elijah said, I've had enough. Enough pain. Enough sleepless nights. Enough anxiety. Enough burdens. Enough criticism. Enough loneliness. Enough, Lord. Take my life. Now, it's important that you and I notice here that Elijah did not try to take his own life. He did not attempt to take his life. Even though there was a longing to die, there was a longing to escape from his problems, there was still an acknowledgement in Elijah's heart that his life belonged to God. In other words, his life was not his to take. It belonged to God. Can you see that? He says to God, God, just take me, take me now. Why is this important? It's important for two reasons, I'll tell you why. Number one, because it tells you and I that even God's greatest servants, the greatest prophets, the one that get the most airtime in the Bible, sometimes go through the deepest, darkest valleys. There is no shame 
and feeling like you want to get away and out from under it all. Everybody feels like that. Everybody. Even Jesus. Even Jesus said, God, if it be your be your this cup from me. I don't want to have to go through this crucifixion with this cross, but Lord, not my will, but your will be done. There was a an acknowledgement, a submission. Tells me that you and I are not alone when we feel discouraged, when we feel depressed. Now, there are different kinds of discouragement and different kinds of depression. Uh, there's clinical depression, which someone usually needs medicine to help them on that because there's a chemical imbalance or there's something going on physically. That's not what I'm talking about, although that has some application today. What I'm talking about are those emotional times when you just feel down, when you, you feel hopeless, and it's an attack from the enemy. Or for some reason, you have a situation in your life that's going very difficult right now. You need to know you're not alone. Even the greatest servants of God have gone through this. Charles Spurgeon, the 18th century preacher, the prince of preachers, he was called, was well known to go through long, enduring bouts of depression. Some of God's greatest servants have. The second reason this is very important is because it shows us one of the ways to overcome discouragement and depression. And here's how I'll say it. Submit, don't quit. Submit, don't quit. Don't resign from it. Resign yourself to it. This is how you overcome discouragement. You submit and surrender to God. Now, wh what I'm about to tell you is very important, okay? What I'm about to... If there's anything that you don't want to miss this morning, it's this next statement, because I believe it'll help you. Are you with me this morning? Okay. Get under what God's put over you. So you can get over what God wants to put under you. Rewind. So you can get over what God wants to put under you. Now, what do I mean by that? A couple things. I have an umbrella here. And this umbrella represents God's protection in our life. It represents all that God does for us. See, God has put certain things over us in this life. For example, the very first thing He puts over us is His Word. And so what happens is when, it, when it's raining and the, and the elements are pounding on us, and you know this life is no friend of faith. I mean, you're not going to get a lot of support from unbelievers for, you know, for you to live your Christian faith, so you're not going to look to them as much. And, so you're going to have times when this world is throwing everything at you, and you're going to have some protection. God says, I give you my word. I give you my word. And so my word is a protection for you. So God says things like, Thou shalt have no other God before me. Now why does God do that? Because he's trying to beat me and, and hurt me? No, no, because God's trying to protect me. He's trying to protect you. So God says, don't, don't let idolatry be a part of your life. And so God says, not only His Word, but He puts our parents over us when we're little children. 
so that we can learn to get under what God's put over us. Does that make sense? God puts bosses over us at work. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait a minute. I can deal with the parents, and I like the Bible all right, but not my boss. Hey, this is reality. God puts pastors in our life to guide us and lead us. He puts those over us. That's what the Bible says. They're spiritual leaders to watch out for your soul. Now, what happens is when we get discouraged and we get depressed, a lot of times we say, you know, everything in here just feels blah, feels boring. I can't handle this anymore. I'm, I, this is cramping my style. It's, it's closing in on me. And, and what I do is I step out from behind it. And I say, wait a minute. You know, and I reach out and I, and I do this. And I start to reach for other things to help me with my discouragement. What happens is, unknowingly, is I come out from under God's protection in my life. And what happens is, then I feel the consequences of that in my life. Because I'm no longer standing under God's protection, obeying Him, submitting to Him. Now I've stepped out and I'm just doing my own thing. I'm just doing my own thing. God wants you to understand that you can get under what he's put over you. The only way that you're going to make it through some of the situations that you're going through is if you go ahead and submit to God in that moment, in that situation, and let him do what he's going to do. The Bible goes on in verse 5, it says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. That's Elijah. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Now, what do most of us try to do when we feel depressed or we feel down? Sometimes we try to be more committed when we really need to be more submitted. In other words, for example, the angel did not come to Elijah and say, Elijah, I can see you're down. You need to pray more. You really need to be studying your Bible harder, Elijah. Elijah, you really, you really need to be going to the temple more. You're not trying hard enough. Is that what the angel said to him? No. The issue was not Elijah's commitment. Elijah was very committed to the Lord. As a matter of fact, he goes on and tells the Lord, he says, I've done it, you know, what you wanted me to do. I went and I spoke for you and all these things. The issue wasn't Elijah's commitment. The issue was Elijah's submission. Given his circumstances and how they were turning out, would he continue to submit to the Lord even though things weren't turning out the way he wanted them to? Even though in Elijah's mind, he wanted to see success and he was seeing failure. What, will we, in the end, submit to the Lord 
even when the situation turns out not to be what we want it to be. Instead of push yourself to your breaking point, why not try observing the Sabbath? A lot of us, we push ourselves harder and harder and harder. But when we get to the place where we're discouraged and depressed, we just need to stop trying to earn everything. You know, like we earn our keep. A lot of us feel like we just have to earn everything. Our, our system here in America is based on earning. The problem is you didn't earn your life. I didn't earn, God didn't say, you know, Brad Kellum has been such a good guy and he's done so many good things for people, I think I'm going to create him and give him life. It doesn't work that way. I didn't earn my life. It was given to me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't earn it. And neither have you. Truly, your life is God's gift to you. And what you do with your life is your gift back to God. In verse 9 it says, There he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What was Elijah really saying? I think what Elijah was saying is, nobody's listening. I'm all by myself here. I'm all alone trying to do the right thing. I feel like I'm the only one. You see, I believe part of the reason Elijah was so down and discouraged is because he was lonely. He felt lonely. And lonely is the feeling of only. Lonely is the feeling of only. We tell ourselves, I'm the only one doing what's right. I'm the only one who cares. I'm the only one who can change the situation. I'm the only one that really cares about this. And so what happens is, we, get, we start to feel alone and lonely. Did you know there's a difference between loneliness, being alone, uh, feeling lonely and, and being alone? All alone is not the same thing as being lonely. Being alone means there's no other human beings around. Beings around. Beings around. On an island, by yourself, you would be alone. There are no other human beings around. But being lonely is something very different. Being lonely can happen in a crowd. Being lonely can happen when you're standing and 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 being lonely can happen when you're married. Being lonely can happen when you're a kid. It can happen anytime. Dr. Mike Nichols says this, nothing hurts more than the sense that the people we care about aren't really listening. We never outgrow the need to have our feelings known. That's why a sympathetic ear is such a powerful force in human relationships. And the failure to failure to failure is so painful. Now coming close for a minute, I want to tell you something. Some of you feel discouraged this morning or you feel down. 
because you feel like, quite frankly, no one's listening to you. I mean, you, you feel like Elijah. You're talking, but no one's listening. You don't really feel understood. No one you feel like is there for you. When you get into that position and you feel that way, how do you overcome discouragement? You stay submitted under the Lord. So you think what happens is when you stay submitted under God's protection, do you notice that God sent an angel to minister to Elijah? God will move heaven and earth when you stay submitted to him. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when you feel like this Christian stuff isn't working. You're trying to love your enemies. You're trying to be kind, to be kind, to bind, to forgive people. But it's not working. You save yourself. Even in those situations, can you stay submitted to God? Can you get under what God has put over you so that God can put you over the stuff you want to be over? Some of you are stuck because you won't get under what God's put over you. His word, His will. See, what happens is if you stay committed, God will just have enough for you. He'll do enough for natural things for you. So at least God and angels to come to, to come to you, the Bible says. The angels are ministering servants of the Lord to help those who believe. He'll do all kinds of things. He'll provide food for you. He'll provide a job for you. He'll provide friendship. Friendship. He'll provide companionship. He will provide for you. For you. It's about God's provision. In verse 11, God tells Elijah, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah, as Elijah passed by, the mighty wind of mine hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The earthquake, there was a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper, to whisper, to whisper, to whisper. The other thing you have to do is <clears throat> get to slow down. You have to start listening to the Lord. See, when you're feeling so depressed and you're feeling so discouraged, it's a sign that either you're, you're too busy, like Elijah, he just had this amazing victory on Mount Carmel. The guy was tired, physically worn out, he was fatigued. And when you're down, 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 discouraged, it may be a sign that you're overdoing it. And sometimes what you need is not one more study in the book of Philippians. What you need is just a nap. Sometimes. And so the Lord comes to Elijah and meet that specific need. Feeds him. He says, rest a while, Elijah. You need to sleep some. You're, you're worn out. You need to sleep a little bit. So he does. And he says, now that you're physically a little more rested, now I'm going to speak to your soul. And he says, go out 
you go on vacation early. We'll take care of the responsibilities. You go be with your family. I said, okay. I came back. And when I came back, and as I was gone in those moments, the Lord spoke to me very powerfully during those times that I was with my family on vacation. And I can tell you I'm so thankful and quit. I had some legitimate reasons <laughs> for writing that letter. Could have walked away any time. The Lord had me stay another six years. If I had left in 2010 when I wrote that letter, that would have been the wrong time to leave. I would have been getting ahead of God. And instead of submitting, I would have been quitting. As it turned out, as hard as it was, I stayed in the saddle. And I said, God's going to have to give me strength to keep doing this work of ministry because I don't have it on my own. And he kept me there for six more years until it was time for him to move me. Then I knew it was from him and not just me trying to escape burdens or mistreatment or, or responsibilities. And maybe you're right there in that situation and you feel like you want to give up and you want to quit. And let me tell you, maybe, it, maybe you do and maybe you don't. But listen to God. Slow down. Make sure you're submitting before you're quitting. Slow down and let the Lord speak to you like he did to Elijah. What you need is time in the presence of a holy God. And he will minister to you. He will encourage you. And he will lift you up. If you will submit to him and give him your encouragement, just like Elijah did. Don't take it into your hands. Leave it in God's hands. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Elijah, for his example. I thank you that in this time, Father, he did not disobey you. He did not quit. He did not give up. I thank you, Father, that in that moment you gave us an example of what we're to do in those situations when we feel so down that we feel like we can't keep going. I pray for every person here this morning, every person who's discouraged or depressed or down, I ask that you lift them up, Father, and give them strength. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. And give them the encouragement that they need, Father. We submit to you in this moment everything we are, everything we have, we give it to you, Lord. We lay ourselves down at your feet. We ask your will to be done in each of our situations. Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name.